Dr. Ryan Neinstein. It is so good to be in your office. You have such a beautiful office. Thank you for having me. Rachel, thank you so much for coming. (laughs) This has been on the schedule for a while. I've been really looking forward to it. Yes. Well, thank you for making time because I know you have so many surgeries and you just came out of one. So the first thing I wanted to ask you is what made you decide to go into plastic surgery instead of, say, being a cardiologist? Uh, I always loved the pursuit of medicine when I was young. Um, and I was really into sports and really into science. Medicine seemed like a natural place to go, mm-hmm. something I want to spend the rest of my life with. As a grandchild of Holocaust survivors, I was always taught to have a life of purpose. So I pursued medicine. Quickly in medicine, I realized that radical, red, um, normal medical stuff just wasn't for me. I could not listen to a murmur if I tried. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really understood giving someone a pill and then waiting to see what came up on lab report. So surgery spoke to me immediately. I think I would have been really happy with any type of surgery. Mm -hmm. I'd love the process of operating and change. But plastic surgery specifically, it's the only operation where people come to you when nothing bad has happened to them and they want to do better. So Mm -hmm. people who are committed to self-improvement, committed to improving the quality of life, come see plastic surgeons. Every other operation, something bad's happened, a disease, a trauma, an infection, a tumor, you know, people are coming to us. So I just find it super um, moving that people are willing to do this right. to improve their life. Right. Oh, that's Which ups the empty yeah, for me. Yeah, absolutely. What a great answer. So you do not do anything on the face. You do from the neck and below, correct? Correct. Tell me what you specialize on. So, you know, I try to keep the main thing, the main thing is the main thing. Mm-hmm. So if I was going to an, a surgeon for something, I want them doing whatever I want to be done every single day. I want them thinking about the procedure all day, every day. So that's how I molded my career. Mm-hmm. So I stick to breast and body. They work in harmony. When you're doing breast surgery and body surgery, you want to be doing them, you know, frequently doing them together at the same time because you're trying to balance the proportions. You're trying to optimize body, optimize the torso, optimize the aesthetics. And then in simple terms, it's like the psychology, I think we were talking about it before, mm-hmm. is is a little simplified in the sense that like flat tummy, perky boobs, everyone's happy. But like, you know, it's really when you're messing, when you're changing someone's face, no matter how great the operation is, there's a little bit of the unknown when it comes to the psychology of the change. Right, right. So how often are people coming to you for first time surgeries? And how often is it um, to redo something that was done wrong? So it's 60-40 in my practice, 60% primary operations, meaning they haven't had surgery before. What's interesting is that many of my patients have never had plastic surgery, which for some reason people think, which is odd, but a lot of my patients are moms. Mm-hmm. They've had a few children and they take excellent care of themselves. They eat well, they exercise They've never thought about having surgery for vanity. But after a few years, after the kids, they're staring at themselves in the mirror and they're like, 10 years ago, I was wearing a bikini and now I look like this is ridiculous and I can't change it with diet or exercise. I got to do something. Right. And that's, you know, kind of the sweet spot for us. You know, the mommy makeover is kind of my go-to operation, Mm -hmm. which to me just delivers the most quality of life change for anyone. But the revision, sorry to interrupt you, but the revision is about 40%. Um, It's challenging. You know, like my favorite president Kennedy says, we do the hard things because they are hard and that's how you get great. Mm -hmm. Um, But that is, you know, a challenging operation because you're taking someone who's, you know, 
damage or some version of damage and you're trying to not just make them whole, but make them better. So I know we're talking about how you specialize in the neck down, but just talk to me for one second about aging. Like what is it when people look at themselves or other people that is so obvious about the aging process? Is it the, the tone of the skin? Is it the sagginess in the skin? What is it that we all see that looks unattractive to ourselves? Well, it's interesting because I hear the same thing all the time from patients and they say, it's more of a feeling than a look. Mm. And I can talk about exactly what they're say, what they're looking at, but I hear this from my patients. I feel too good to look this old or mm. I feel too good to look this bad in their terms. Right. So I have two peaks of ages of patients who come to see me. The kind of mid-30s, early 40s, these are people who just had their children mm-hmm. and they're like, I'm not living like this. Period, full stop. Like, fix my tummy, fix my breasts. Like, let's go. Mm-hmm. And then there's the second peak, which a lot of people are surprised when half of my patients are 50 plus. Basically, these are people who didn't have surgery after their kids mm-hmm. and they're around menopause and menopause just exasperated or elevated exponentially what mm-hmm. was happening before. And they've just been, and they're like, they still feel amazing. You know, they're 55, they're 60, they're 65. They travel, they feel, you know, they're going to the theater, they're going out, they have an active lifestyle, but things have just become, you know, beyond what they're going to, what they're, what's acceptable to them right. for their lifestyle. Right. Most commonly, it's stretched loose skin. We see a lot of thin fit women in their mid 30s and in their mid 50s. The thinner you are, the fitter you are, pregnancy and age are going to stretch the skin. People don't like having the frame of a twin bed and the bedding of a king. They want it matched, okay? Because otherwise, really good way to look at it. Because <laughs> otherwise, it just doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right, especially if you put so much time and energy into taking care of yourself. Right, right. So do you think people have gotten over the taboo a little bit of saying they got plastic surgery? Because I know a lot of people don't like to admit it or, you know, they, they deny having it when it's clear that they have had it. Yeah, I don't see that at all. It's just part of people's lives now. Mm-hmm. I think sophisticated people recognize that plastic surgery solves this very specific problem for them. And that's a sophisticated patient. And that's the kind of person we want in my practice. These are people that, hey, I eat well. I exercise. Like, like, these women exercise a lot. These are not like walk on the treadmill once a week. These yeah. are, you know, hardcore Pilates weightlifting every day. Right. And they want to make a sophisticated move. Okay. I have twice the amount of skin on my stomach as I need. I'm going to go to someone to solve this problem. Right. There's no taboo about that. They're using, you know, they're using plastic surgery as a tool as they would anything else in their toolbox in life, right. whether that's their hair person, a lawyer, an accountant, like anyone is, I'm solving a problem. Literally, you know, the, mm-hmm. there's a journey that everyone goes on. They have a frustration in their body. Mm-hmm. They try every other possible means because why wouldn't you? Then they come see me. I give them a solution to their frustration we do the operation, and then they get the psychological benefit of having their problem solved. Right, right. So there's only so much that like a spray tan, eyelashes, hair extensions, all that good clothes, good makeup can kind of cover. Well, and- I, I do like the term or the phrase, if you can't tone it, tan it. <laughs> yes, well, that's true. <laughs> I love a good spray tan. Who doesn't? Me too. But um, you do, you in your office, you do Botox, you do filler, all yeah. that kind of stuff. What is the difference about people coming and getting that filler before they do plastic surgery? Because I know a lot of plastic surgeons or um, dermatologists now use filler to change people's noses, to change the jawline, to really to even sculpt 
the butts. So what's the difference? So while we're pretty aggressive in our office in the operating room, our injectable is almost like a maintenance package. A lot of our, again, a lot of our patients are very sophisticated consumers. They know what they want. They want what they know. A lot of them are looking for maintenance, Botox, maintenance fillers. They love our office. They love our staff because they had surgery here. So we offer that service mm-hmm. with a loyalty program and they keep coming back. But we do not see altered appearances. We do not do that. It's very light dosing of the toxin for a natural look. Some people like to be frozen. I personally like to be frozen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just like the feeling of it. Right. But in terms of the fillers, we are very conservative here. Mm. And I think that taste has some regional differences. Mm-hmm. New York, people are, you know, they're built for speed here. There's not a lot of room on the street. They're, you know, it's <laughs> it's smaller and it's tighter. You know, it, yeah. we don't see the big lips, the big cheeks yeah. demands in our office. Right. We see more subtle, subtle. But, you know, I was just in Miami on the weekend. Nothing subtle about those looks right there's nothing subtle about vegas la but there's nothing wrong with that just you have to know you have to know your audience know your role just like the restaurants and the clothing are different in new york because they're Mm -hmm. in miami and vegas and like it's all it's all good as long as you you want to make sure when you're going to a plastic surgeon that your aesthetic interests match their aesthetic tendencies because every surgeon's gonna no matter what they tell you like their brain is wired in a certain way and when you're in the operating room people fall back on their experience they don't rise to the occasion so like whatever they're used to doing is what you're gonna get right right so I have a question about, you know, beauty and wellness magazines, stores, you know, um, influencers talk about products and how well products work. Is there an actual product that you think does work um, or do you think that people need actual help with surgery and Botox? I know one thing in this life. Surgery works every time. <laughs> okay. Right. If you have extra skin, if you have extra skin and you cut it out, it's no longer there. Right. Okay. If you have stubborn fat and we suck it out, it's no longer there. Mm-hmm. Everything else is a delay or a toy or may work. But and I'm not saying there's anything bad with doing the non-surgical. Mm-hmm. I just my brain is wired to solve problems. Right. Yeah. Right. So, but do you think that there, do you believe in things like um, creams that are going to tighten your skin? No. No. Okay. Well, that's yeah good to know and what about but i like believe in the tooth fairy so right (laughs) my gosh my son believes it's there yeah um do you believe that creams will help with making your skin look younger for sure and you know i'm not the person to ask for skincare because i'm the guy who just uses whatever my wife has on the counter like (laughs) probably using the wrong thing in the Mm -hmm. wrong you know sequence but i have to believe that the science is there in skincare for the face right but in my mind, you know, I do like a deep laser once a year with my friend, uh, Paul Frank, who's a dermatologist, mm-hmm. because like I'd rather just do a deep laser once a year than do skincare every day. Right. So that's for me, like, because it's probably the same as like if you have a really good skincare regimen mm-hmm. versus just like lasering your face right. once a year. So what are the trends you're seeing right now in people coming into your office? Is it, you you were telling me earlier, it's not so much big and bold, it's very subtle. Is that determined? It's subtle, but it's complete. You know, the mommy maker over procedure, which is the most common procedure I do, has never been more in demand nationwide. Hmm. Women are not accepting the physical changes to their bodies from babies. It's like period, full stop. They are not interested in living with, deflated droopy breasts stretch torn muscles and skin you know that's hanging off when they sit down right 
if you are li- if you are used to living this active lifestyle, traveling, enjoying your body, enjoying clothes, you're not going to want to do that when you're 32 years old for the next however you know many decades. Right. So people are doing bigger operations. It's conservative in the sense that they don't necessarily want big implants, but they want things fixed. They want things put back. You know, if you're if they remember, you know, they always show me this. Look what I looked like in college. Look what I looked like before babies. And this is how I feel. Help right. me look like that again. Right. Because I can't do it with diet and exercise. So the combined liposuction, tummy tuck, muscle repair, breast surgery, that's the most common thing we do. And that's what we're known for. The, the number uh, two thing we see is the explant. People want their big implants out. Right. And is that driven by celebrities making more of a, um, you know, a statement on their Instagram, social media that they're taking things out? And how, do you think that's affected no, the trend? I think it's the previous generation of plastic surgeons. I think, you know, most of the patients that come to see me or my breast specialist, Dr. Anna, who works with me, you know, in the 90s, they saw a guy, some, or a surgeon somewhere and they got huge implants and they had a great run with them. And now it's like 30 years later, mm-hmm. they're in their mid to late you know, 50s, early 60s, and, like, their life is just different. They're like, I'm not the big boob girl anymore. I'm, like, the grandmother. Right. (laughs) And, like, you know, they're walking around with these, you know, melons, and they're stretched, and it's, like, a whole thing. And they're just like, let's downsize. Yeah. You know, they don't typically want to totally get rid of them, but they want to downsize to something more appropriate for the clothing they like, Mm -hmm. want to do a lift, try to rejuvenate with a little bit of fat. That's definitely the second um, most common trend. And Five years ago, seven years ago, never saw it. Wasn't a thing. Right. Now, get these implants out, Doc. Let's go. Let's get me looking the way I feel. Right. And then the third is reversing BBLs. B- uh, Brazilian butt lifts. Yeah. Yes. Talk too about big, that. Too big, too wide, too inappropriate. Okay. And again, there are people who like that look, and there's nothing wrong with that, uh-huh. obviously, but there are a lot of people who tried that look, and they have trouble walking down the street. <laughs> You know, they can't find clothing. They got, you know, tiny, narrow waist and a big, wide butt. I mean, it's like, looks, it's a different look. But talk to me about how how that is done. I mean, do they actually take your ribs? But do they take ribs out or anything? How do you get someone's waist that small? Well, it's a combination. The waist gets small and the butt gets big. Mm. So the differential gets pretty dramatic. So, so, So these smaller people... They're having basically like all their fat taken out of their abdomen and their waist, put it, and it's all being put in their butt. And it's a look. It's not for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's a lot of people who tried it and didn't like it. Right. That's why I like timeless plastic surgery because it's not like getting a haircut. It's not right. like trying new clothes. Like if you don't like it, it's a big deal. Yeah. And especially the reverse BBLs, the skin has been stretched from all that fat. So like it's a real problem. Shaking yeah. it down. It takes multiple sessions. They're always left with like, you know, a cellulite, cobblestone bum, mm-hmm. which nobody wants. Mm-hmm. So I've seen a lot of stuff on, on doctors' Instagrams where they're doing filler in the butt. Do you think that that works just as well I to kind of lift your butt? A little. It's it's really, you know, the collagen stimulating, which we do a lot for the very thin patients mm-hmm. where there's literally no fat. Right. Fat's always king. That's the number one. But there's going to be patients who literally have no fat, and then we'll use that if they want a little boost. And how would you do a butt surgery if they're not getting the injections? 
per se? Like, are, is there what? What's so I do the a new lot Brazilian of what we call product? a thin or a skinny BBL or baby BBL. Got it. A lot of the moms I'm doing mommy makeovers on want fat transfer to their butt, but they want like a perky athletic butt that looks good in you know leggings. Not right. That's like, what I want. Yeah. yeah. I mean, who doesn't? Like, yeah. <laughs> so the procedure so using, for that is their own fat. We're using their own fat, and in terms of the volume, I'm using you know like a what like can of coke worth of fat versus like four big gulps worth of fat right and you know when you purify it and use it in a in a controlled man you know finesse way you get a nice perky bum and does it last yeah wow yeah once it, like 60 70 percent of what we inject stays but like then that's your fat like that's not going anywhere see that to me is amazing and a lot of thin bbls athletic bbls we do a lot a lot of people who exercise a lot and mm-hmm. they can get very thin mm-hmm. but they can't do anything to their bum so we are really you know i i I always joke like i can get fat at anybody um so (laughs) a lot of surgeons refer me like thinner active women and like you know i always find the fat right nice okay well that's what i want in my next life um well we can work on it yeah i'll Um, check my schedule yeah you can check check out my butt tell me what i need um so what about people that, okay, so a big thing right now is in social media, for example, all the filters and how it changes either their bodies, their face, whatever it is. Do people come into your office and say, I want to look like this? Like the, no, I, people always come in with their inspiration pictures Yeah, and everyone uses similar pictures and it's always like some 19 year old Brazilian model and <laughs> like, you know, I'm talking to like um, 57 year old mom of four from New Jersey right. and I'm, I, you know, listen, I always say, I agree. Like, I want to look like that too. Everyone wants to look like this. It lets me orient. I, I really don't think they have a distorted version of reality when they show me wish pics. Because, mm-hmm. like, it's a wish pic. Yeah. They, like, people are more realistic and sophisticated than I think maybe surgeons give them credit. They know they're not going to go and look like a 19-year-old. But they're like, they just want you to know what they want. Right. And yeah. then I say, I'm going to do the best I can mm-hmm. with your body. And I'm going to take you as far as I can. And then we're going to get you on the workout program. And then you're going to take it to another level. Right. So you help them with their realistic expectations yeah. of how that you can apply that picture to them to make them look the best that they can. Yeah. Have exactly. you ever, have you ever said no to a patient about something? Yeah, I say no all the time. And it's not a negative or derogatory thing. Typically, it's not the right time in someone's life. Like a lot of people in the midst of a divorce turmoil not Mm -hmm. a good time to have plastic surgery like you don't want to have background like intense emotional stuff going on Mm. you want to settle because surgery any form of surgery can kind of spark unleash whatever is happening so you don't need to like escalate that so you want stability and the other thing is when someone wants an operate and i understand this all the time and this is something that we see all the time People are like, I just want a little lipo, but their skin's hanging out down to their knee. And they're mm. like, you need a tummy tuck. And they're like, but I don't want a tummy tuck. I'm like, I understand you don't want it, but you need it. Right. Um, so a lot of times we're saying no because the goals don't match the operation they're willing to have. Mm-hmm. And it's always better to not do an operation than do the wrong operation. When people are looking for a plastic surgeon, what are the questions they should be asking or what kind of doctor should they be looking for? Well, I think like this is a marriage. Like we do big surgery. Like we are, we are with you for like 
basically life. Okay, mm-hmm. there is a connection here. You when you're meeting a surgeon, it's almost like you're marrying into their whole family as well. Mm-hmm. You need to get to know the staff. You need to get to know the facility. Like you have to walk in and be like, "This is a place where I want to be operated on." If it's in the basement somewhere, like probably don't want to have surgery there. <laughs> if they have a tiny little operating room, you probably don't want to have surgery there. Mm-hmm. If they don't have a big dedicated team that's like cohesive and everyone's smiling. Like within 30 seconds of walking into an office, I know whether or not I want to be there. It's got to be clean. It's got to smell good. They got to have the right music. The people at the front desk need to be smiling. Everyone's got to want to be there. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two, the surgeon's got to do what you want every day. Not once a week, not once a month, not, you know, it's like, you want breast surgery? Go to someone who does breast surgery every single day. You want a tummy tuck? Go to someone who does a tummy tuck every day. Right. Because there is nothing that substitutes you know, purposeful passion towards a singular outcome. Right. Nothing. You cannot. It is impossible to do excellent surgery. And the ocean between good and great is vast. So if you want a 7 out of 10, you can go to someone who does it once in a while. But I play to win, and I'm going for the 10 out of 10 every time. Right. Okay? It just, that's the way I'm wired. Like, why wouldn't you want to have the best outcome possible on the planet every single time? Yeah, I, I think, and, and the personality has got to match with the doctor. Yeah, you have to have chemistry. But I think you about, have to be into the same thing. Like yeah. you're going to be talking to this person basically for years mm-hmm. about your body. You're going to be with them naked yeah. a lot. Okay, right. like you better be comfortable with this yeah. person. Like you should have similar interests, morals, ethics. Like because you guys are in it forever. Right. I think that's really important what you said before, too, though, that you should go to a surgeon who specializes in the one thing that you want. Because, I mean, I've been to plastic surgeons plenty of times, and they mostly do general surgery. They do everything. They do face. They do nose. They do boobs. They do labia surgery. They do everything. I chose, because I'm so committed to mastering something, I chose to live and work in a city that has high density that allows me to do that. Mm -hmm. If you live in Wichita, Kansas, as your plastic surgeon, you probably need to do, do all, it all because yeah. there's just not enough people yeah but that's the men- that surgeon chose that mentality and that patient should match that and yeah. they probably get a really good outcome right but right. there's just a difference like i said the difference between good and great might be small but it's so meaningful powerful and significant right so when you're walking down the street or interacting with people is it hard for you not to judge them as a doctor and Never. say i could fix Zero. that you don't do that it's, it, it's just not a thing in my life interesting um, no when i'm with talking to someone i'm trying to absorb knowledge mm-hmm. like i always want to be the dumbest guy in the room i always want to ask one more question than everyone else be a little more curious that's why you know i read two to three books a week mm-hmm. anytime i'm around people i'm trying to get information like learn what is what are these guys what secret do you know about life that i don't know right that's interesting i'm not going the other way yeah yeah you know god gave me uh you know two ears one mouth so should listen twice as much as I speak. <laughs> so, but how often are people coming up to you and saying, what do you think of my butt? What do you think of my boobs? What Not can I as fix? much as people think. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, like if you're at a restaurant, like someone, it's awkward. So, mm-hmm. it, and it's inappropriate. I'll say like, you look amazing, but if you want to talk about it, call the office. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you, you don't want to be the guy like, let's go to the bathroom and take a look under the hood. Right. That's not, you right. know, of course yeah. not. <laughs> um, it might get you more clients though. Not that you need it, but, um, <laughs> um, if you could get your hands on one celebrity to do something to, do you have somebody in mind? That's a good one. Um, 
You know, I'd like to get Betty Boop and reverse her BBL. <laughs> <laughs> but she's known for that. People love her for that. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I could see her, like, walking the runway in a couture, you know, outfit. Okay. Uh, but, like, a you know, somebody that is popular <laughs> person, today. Yeah, it's a real person. You know, I don't have anyone that I wish I could operate on. Mm-hmm. And each and every person, celebrity, mom, hedge fund, lawyer, doctor, whoever, each and every patient's just, you know, I'm grateful for each and every person. So I don't have any. I just want to, I want to, my dream is to just continue operating on people, you know, that are looking for the same things as me. Right. To look their best. Yeah. With what they have. Um, Is there a certain celebrity that people come in most often as their wish pick that they want to look like? It's interesting because for now, it's really, because... Basically, everyone, is, I guess, is a celebrity on Insta- like on mm-hmm. social media. Yep. There's no consistency because if they're just searching bikini body, it's not like it comes up Cindy Crawford anymore, right? Or you know whoever the the hot models were. It's just like literally a hundred million girls in bikinis, right? So it's just whoever. It's just everyone. Like right. literally, everyone's an inspo. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, talk to me about how you run your office. Sometimes you're working late at night on weekends. Um, Tell us about like, give us some inside scoop about like, I not the people that come to you, not the celebrities, but how they get treated by you. So they're not seen by the public. Well, the most important thing that I, if I, in life, if you want to be a surgeon, you need a team. Mm -hmm. And if you want a team, you got to figure out how to be a leader. And if you want to be a leader, you got to learn. So you got to have mentors. You got to read the books you got to find people that's going to help you. And the number one thing is, you know, that I have found is first understand before you seek to be understood. So you have to get to know everyone that's working for you, get to know your teammates, get to know what motivates them, make sure everyone's morals and ethics are aligned. Mm -hmm. That leads to having like a code of ethics. We have like four values that all people who work here, they have to live it like it's their, you know, it is their creed. They have to pursue expertise. So whatever they're doing, nurse, front desk, patient coordinator, anesthesiologist, you have to pursue expertise at all times. Mm -hmm. You have to be a lifelong learner. You know, we have a monthly book club. We are always sending people to conferences all around the world. You have, there's never, you know, it never ends the search for knowledge Mm -hmm. because I always want inertia moving forward. And then we get into the, you know, the harsher ones. You have to really be good at accepting feedback if you want to work here. Mm. Criticism is the key, okay? Like Mm -hmm. in in a positive way, in the sense that we are always checking each other, balancing each other, like letting, hey, when you do this, that doesn't work with patients. We send out a lot of surveys. We're always constantly evaluating. Everyone checks their ego at the door here. um, And then we we generously share our knowledge. But for, so once you have a team of people that are, you know, coordinated in harmony, passionate, it's all about the patient care. And for us, you know, like our favorite book in the office, Danny Meyer setting the table, it's hospitality. Mm. We're trying to create a unique experience, a unique surgical experience. As you see, our patients go from surgery in our, you know, fancy wheelchair over to the plaza. They have a luxurious stay with a private duty nurse. The doctors, the nurses go visit our patients. We create an environment and experience is memorable. We're always trying to like catch something about someone, mm-hmm. whether or not they have a wedding coming up or they have a personal accomplishment. We're always trying to connect with them with gifts. Um, 
trying to really establish deep, meaningful relationships right. with our people. The reason for that is simple. We love the people we work with, so why wouldn't we want to have deep, meaningful relationships? And second of all, then they, um, you know, in a quadratic way, exponentially, uh, quadratic way, grow our business. Mm. We're 100% word of mouth. Right. That's so, interesting, yeah. And Social media is like, it's different in what people think. People hear my name, Dr. Anna's name, Dr. Chris's name, um, and then they follow on social media. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that's like, they're like dating you one way. Like they're going to get to know your personality. What do you do every day? Like a lot of patients find a lot of comfort knowing like, I'm a nerd. I go to bed super early. I get up, you know, at like 4, 4.15 every day. I'm reading. I'm in the gym. I'm like, I'm discipline is everything. To me, you know, good work in the operating room is everything what you're doing outside of the operating room. Mm-hmm. You know, people know, like, it's I'm basically working, working out or with my family. Yeah. And, like, a lot of people like that in their surgeon. I would. Yeah, I would too. I mean, yeah. having great values and not being a party boy would be my two things that I would yeah, be looking for. it doesn't work. Yeah. I would not like to see you out late at night Sur- at a bottle service need, club. Uh, you know, we talk about it in the office, like, it's like being a professional athlete. Like mm-hmm. when you're in the operating room, it's physical and mental and you need to be prepared physically and mentally. That means nutrition, rest, your reading, your exercise, like you're good to go. But it's so interesting that you're bringing that up because I feel like on social media a lot, you see a lot of these very well-known um, plastic surgeons showing their life in a very flashy way. Yeah, but, I don't know. It's not me. Yeah. But don't you, I mean... Maybe it makes them more popular and famous. They get more likes. They get more views. And maybe they get a lot of requests for patients. I don't know if it actually translates into a real patient. But um, I think that some people think it's good to be seen in a flashy way. Right? Yeah. I don't know. But you know what I mean? Like, have you seen those Instagram feeds? Yeah. I think there's always people who want to show a certain portray a certain type of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And who knows what really the reason is. Right. I don't know if it's – and by the way, if that's them authentically, then that's probably what they should show because people should know that, you know, this is that kind of person. Right. And like maybe you're that kind of person. That'll work out great. But if you're family-oriented and you're not party-oriented, mm-hmm. then like you're my kind of person. Right, right. So you're going back to the – But that fact- doesn't mean like, you know, me and my wife and my kids travel to nice places. But a lot of times we're going to the same places our patients go. Yeah. There's a difference between sharing your life and and portraying a certain you know level of whatever you want to call it yeah. in terms of flashiness. Flashiness, yeah, and I, it goes back to what you were saying about the chemistry you have with the patient yeah. is very important. Um, are there any procedures that you would talk people out of? Not necessarily in your office, but for our listeners. Like, are there procedures that you think are not good for somebody to fall into, like the Brazilian butt lift or whatever? That's too. Well, I think the Brazilian butt lift is a good operation when do- when the aesthetic goals of the patient and the doctors are in line. Mm-hmm. Um, buttock implants is something that very few surgeons on the planet can do consistently and safely. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the nature of where they live, they're close to stuff that's not always so clean. Mm. Um, so I think that's a high risk procedure. What do but you think? There are there are surgeons who can do it, but like you can count them on one hand. What do you think of the people that travel to Mexico or Russia or wherever they're going to get these? So well, I'd be done? impressed if they got into Russia these days. Right. But <laughs> <laughs> they did in, a, in the past. I got it. Yeah, I think they're. It's funny. I get this question a lot. There's excellent surgeons in every country in the world. Mm-hmm. You can name a country and I'll tell you someone who's amazing there. Mm-hmm. And there are shady people in every place. 
as you go into other countries like Mexico or other, you know, South America, Mm -hmm. there's a little less regulation. So there's more chance of having some places that are not going to be up to the same standards as us. But I can assure you there are moral, ethical, fantastic surgeons in each and every country in the world. But do you believe that people get what they pay for? I mean, you know, something might be valued at $20,000 here. And if they go to Mexico, they're only spending $4,000. Well, what's interesting is the surgeons I would refer them to, the price is the same. Right. But what do you think about people traveling just to get a better price? Do you believe they get what they pay for? Obviously, in a paternalistic way, I'd say you should save up till you can do it safely. Mm-hmm. But that's not my life. And I can't tell people what to do. And I understand. They're like, I need this or they think they need it. Right. And, that, and um, you know, they have a budget and they seek out. But, yeah, caveat emptor. Right. Buyer beware. Right, right. Um, I've seen recently on your Instagram, you did it look like a complete skin lift. That yeah. Looked- Unbelievable. Talk about that procedure. I, you know, we love doing, every operation's great, but you see a lot of these patients that have lost a lot of weight. I think this, we did it yesterday. She went from 350 pounds to 140 pounds. I mean, that is. Wow. She lost like a few people. Yeah. Um, And when you have that, those people are so dedicated, so committed. They're fantastic to work with. And we took, we went, you know, 360 around the world, took all the skin off her torso. Oh my gosh. So we want to, we're trying to help align her mentally with you know what she sees mm. she feels like a thin active woman but she doesn't recognize who she sees in the mirror yeah so i saw her this morning and i think she's starting to recognize herself again wow yeah. that's amazing yeah and what's fantastic. the recovery time on something like oh, that oh that's a big one that's a good like two weeks off work and it's gonna take you know six to eight weeks to feel like a human again yeah or a normal and is she in so much pain no it's not so much pain, but like, you know, we pushed her front, back, left and right. So yeah. Yeah. And what are, Everything's the, tight. what are the scars like? They fade. I mean, our techniques in the scar cream, I mean, the scars fade. We put them in, you know, hidden areas. Right. Covered in most underwear and bikinis. Um, Amazing. They fade. And talk about the boob jobs these days in terms of um, the scars, because I know in my day when, you know, you go from a bigger size to a smaller size and you're getting a a uh, boob lift, you have to get a bunch of scars sometimes. What what are the new methods? Nothing's of- really, I mean, it, nothing's really changed in terms of the lifting. No one's created a way to like lift breast without scars. Just like no one's made a tummy tuck that doesn't involve a scar. Got it. One thing I can tell you is when people get the shape they want, whether it's the tummy or the breast, nobody cares about scars ever. Right. But everyone cares about the shape when they don't get it. Right. Every right. single patient complains, it doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. But you don't have a scar. Yeah, but it doesn't look good. Nobody says, this looks so good, I wish I didn't, and they wish they could go back and get rid of the scar. Nobody cares. Yeah. You got to get, you get the results and you you take care of the scars, nobody cares. Are you getting men as clients? Yeah. We have a good number of men. Dr. Funderburg, who works for me, kind of specializes in men. Okay. And what kind of um, treatments are they coming in for? You know, they like lipo of their neck, number one, Mm. man boobs, number two abdomen waist you know that tire that van get that lower abdomen yeah. flank area number three and most of the time they're doing one two and three in one shot interesting and again these are the same type you know they're these are very successful a type go-getters who just know the limits of their body mm-hmm. so all right for the people that are listening if they are thinking to themselves okay i want all this stuff done from the neck down um you know what is probably the one thing you su- would suggest that would help them feel and look younger? Is it the boobs? Is it the life Well, I think, you know, someone has to say, like, I'm the kind of person 
who wants the best out of life. Mm-hmm. I'm the kind of person who wants to maximize potential. I'm the, also the kind of person who's willing to invest in myself. Mm-hmm. And then you got to look at your, your life. What's the biggest frustration point? A lot of people tell me, you know, in the summer, they can't wear sleeveless dresses. It's their arm. Mm. They don't like, you know, every time they go out for dinner, I hear this all the time, they have to hold in their tummy after babies because the muscles have separated and the skin's hanging out and they, yeah. like, have to wear all these contraptions. These things actually impact every moment of their life. They're like, I literally hold my breath all day because I hate my stomach. Okay, let's fix that. Interesting. Um, and know thyself. Yes, that's, that's right. Um, and everyone's different. Okay, and then would you have one piece of advice for people that want a quick fix, maybe not getting plastic surgery? Is it a laser? Is it just drinking water? Like what can help people look a little bit younger I mean, today? honestly, the number one thing that I've found in my life is sleep. If you can get a good night's sleep, everything is a lot better. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's and that's something good. that's tangible that everyone can work on. Right. When you go home, don't watch, you know, two hours of Netflix mindlessly. Turn the TV off. Go to bed. Right. Right. Because you will just feel refreshed and look refreshed. Yeah. You know, the mindlessness. I mean, everyone watches TV, but like, watch a little less. Sleep a little more. Rest, you know, let the brain recharge. Okay. I like that advice. All right. Where do you see plastic surgery going in the future? I think it's going more and more mainstream. Offices like mine, bigger infrastructure, more services, more layers, you know, just an overall elevated experience. Mm-hmm. I think plastic surgery is not going to be the mom and pop pizza shop, you know, that it used to be where every doctor had their own little office. Mm-hmm. Patients want the bells and whistles. You see my operating rooms. You see our facilities. Why would you not want, you know, the newest, most innovative Everything, you know, is designed for their experience. Also, we're constantly evolving. Mm-hmm. You know, those offices, you know, that still have the furniture from the 80s and the Time magazine for Man of the Year with Richard Nixon on it. You know, yeah. it's, it's not people move quickly. Right. They want innovation, comfort, and everything up to date. So you're going to see bigger practices, more doctors under the same roof. Um, what I think is amazing about your office and for people that, you know, are just listening as opposed to watching, um, you operate in your same office. You don't yeah. have to go to a hospital. It's really convenient. People walk in. It's beautiful here. You get treated really well at the front. You get walked right in and you go right into the operating room. I mean, well, usually pe- we have a consult first, but okay, I just- yes. <laughs> but I think for people that have not had plastic surgery before or hesitant to go visit a doctor because they're nervous, it's like a one-stop shop. You don't have to... You have more control Mm -hmm. if you care about your safety in your own house. Mm -hmm. Okay, Meaning, we design this place with engineers. We design this place with consultants. What's the safest, best way I can build an operating room? Let's do that. Mm -hmm. And then we built two. I always have two anesthesiologists. You know, it's like having a plane. I like two pilots around. Mm -hmm. I have a dedicated team every day in both operating rooms. I've handpicked from the hospitals. They're the best of the best Mm -hmm. working together with a common goal of not just getting, you know, the best possible surgical outcomes, but the safest. We have someone who's full-time on infection control. We have someone who's full-time dedicated to cleaning instruments. Mm. We have someone who's full-time dedicated to cleaning the operating room day and then someone at night. I mean, it's 24-7. But that's, you know, you do everything the way we would want it. Mm -hmm. The hospitals are great. They're important. But... You know, you don't want to walk, you don't want to have your tummy tuck in a room where they just did like a hemorrhoid or a brain operation and like the team doesn't really know, you know, everyone knows here what everything is and they have the same goal. Right, right. How hard is it to get an appointment with you right now? 
Um, we're booking consults into September, but uh, which is a few months away. Mm-hmm. But my associates, you can see sooner, who are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we always find a way. Right. Um, tell people where they can find you, where they can reach out to you, how to look at your we work. We are loca- located in the greatest city in the world, at 4 West 58th on top of Bergdorf, so on the 12th floor. It's where the dreams are made overlooking Central Park. You can find <laughs> us online at com. You can follow me at Dr. Neinstein or give us a call, 212-249-0949. Okay, they're right across the street from the plaza. You guys can come, do a little shopping, do a little eating and have a really nice consult and you're we help people we have a personal shopper at, at Bergdorf's for our patients oh and we also help with dinner reservations we have someone who can help amazing with so you have a concierge business exactly. as well oh talk to me about some of the procedures that i'm gonna get right now i think i'm gonna do a little filler botox maybe a oh, laser you're getting the, the uptown tune-up right yeah now. This i can't is the wait <laughs> so i'm gonna go from 48 to what like 35 years old or yeah, something yeah somewhere about that no okay. no we're just gonna make the best version of you <laughs> mm-hmm. the uptown tune-up just a little bit of, you know, a spritz of everything. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's a little glow up because yeah. everyone deserves one. Of course. To give somebody a little confidence. Zhuzh, as they say. To get me on Bumble, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. So I'm going to take some new photos of myself after. Exactly. That'll be great. Okay. Well, thank you so much. You're for your very time. welcome. I appreciate it. You got it.